This is Healthcare Strategies. This podcast was recorded remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic. As a result, the quality may be a little lower than our usual standards. We appreciate your patience as we practice social distancing. From all of us at Extelligent Healthcare Media, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, editor of Healthpayer Intelligence. The demand for behavioral healthcare services is dire. As the demand grows, barriers to behavioral healthcare continue to become more evident. For years, healthcare industry leaders have emphasized that integrating physical and behavioral healthcare is key to meeting this need. But how can the industry meaningfully move in the direction of greater integration? To answer that question, we will be talking with Brett Hart, Centene's Chief Behavioral Health Officer. In his role, Brett oversees Centene's overall behavioral health organization and strategy. Brett has more than 20 years of managed care leadership experience and is also a licensed psychologist with a doctorate in clinical psychology. We are also joined by Indira Paharia, Centene's Chief Operating Officer for Behavioral Health. In her role, Indira oversees the business operations within the behavioral organization. Prior to her current role at Centene, Indira held leadership positions with provider organizations and Fortune 500 companies. She is also a licensed clinical psychologist with a doctorate in clinical psychology. Hi, Brett and Indira. Thank you both so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. So, Brett, I'm going to start this first question out with you. Integration of behavioral or mental health care and physical or primary care has been on the table for a while, and it is definitely a complex problem to solve. What factors do you think are the most influential in holding payers back from achieving integration? It's a really good question. I, you know, I think it's important in answering that question to really rewind a bit and look at the history of behavioral health as it's existed over the last 30 to 40 years and really has even persisted into the last few years. And that's a history marked by behavioral health being carved out of health plans and being disconnected and fragmented. Once this trend began to shift and large insurers began to carve behavioral health in, many of them encountered issues with a lack of shared platforms, a lack of common language, disconnected workflows, and really, quite frankly, an uncharted roadmap toward collaboration. So, If we start there and then fast forward to the present, payers not only must contend with those historical barriers, but also with new challenges as well. For example, there really isn't a standard accepted integrative model that represents an industry best practice. In addition to that, plans really have to challenge themselves to go much deeper than this mindset of co-location of staff or sitting in pods together somehow equates to integration. Physical integration does not necessarily translate to actual integration of care. It's also important, I think, to note that the societal platform on which payers operate has really not yet fully embraced medical and behavioral integration. 
if you look, for example, at graduate and medical school training programs and, and even residencies, many today still struggle to define an optimal integrated training model and to really fully prepare future health professionals to naturally operate in an integrated framework. A couple other factors that, that come to mind that I think are worthy of mention is that at the practice level, when we think about our providers, there are significant administrative and operational changes in workflows, uh, documentation, uh, electronic health records that are required. Uh, and what that means for them is, is really a transformation of their practice, which is a really, really big task. So within that context of primary care practices, primary care physicians are really challenged to adopt unique integrated solutions from all the different payers they work with. Each payer tends to have their own solution versus a unified approach that providers can easily adapt to. Finally, I, I would just mention that investments in data analytics and technology uh, are really going to continue to be needed by payers to effectively push data to providers in real time. Uh, we have to understand that when a provider is working in the office, they only have brief periods of time they can spend with any given patient. And if there are behavioral health needs that a payer may be aware of, it's important that we get that to that physician quickly in real time so that action can be taken. Brett really covered a lot of excellent points. I would just add a little bit around some of the challenges with financing. We have a model called the collaborative care model that is showing some promise. There's a lot of research behind it. And there were codes that were established for that model. But even though those codes exist and they were supported by Medicare and are now being added into Medicaid, Providers aren't necessarily using those, and so the uptick of, of using those codes has not been significant. And I think that really goes back to Brett's point about the huge overhaul and transformation of a practice to be able to even operate that way to build for those collaborative care codes. Thank you. Brett, coming back to you for a second, conversely, obviously there are these challenges that payers have been facing, and both of you have contributed a fairly large amount of things that payers need to overcome, but where have payers been seeing the most growth in the recent years in terms of integration? You know, when we think about medical and behavioral integration, oftentimes within the behavioral field, we have to take a step back. And I guess the term I might use is ensure that our own house is in order. And, and what I mean by that is before tackling the medical behavioral integration challenge, we needed to first tackle the mental health substance abuse integration challenge. And I believe that there's been tremendous progress in that respect. There have been great improvements in models of care, very robust analytics-driven processes, tools for providers and members to utilize, access to digital and tele-enabled care. All of these have really served to bridge that gap between mental health and substance abuse integrated needs. With that being addressed, this really allows us to more fully turn our attention to medical behavioral integration. 
uh, and again, I hope the, the reason for that need to resolve the mental health substance abuse integration is apparent because it's difficult to address the integrated needs of someone with a physical health condition if we haven't pulled together an integrated solution to uh, addressing mental health and substance abuse comorbidities. So with respect to medical behavioral integration, my view is payers have really become much more sophisticated in their ability to detect behavioral health conditions in those individuals with physical health needs. That detection is critical. That's really where it all begins. And so by examining utilization patterns, utilizing predictive models, artificial intelligence, these have been wonderful innovations that have really allowed us to more uh, fully and accurately detect individuals with behavioral health conditions. With that advance in detection, I think has also come tremendous advances in population level clinical programs to support provider communities and members. And it's also important to note that very strong relationships have emerged and really continue to emerge between payers and innovators. I've mentioned on a couple of occasions to folks that I've visited with that 10 or 15 years ago, I think a person would have really struggled to find a Silicon Valley type company that was interested in investing in behavioral health solutions or to find a venture capital investor who wanted to invest in a cutting-edge integrative solution for uh, behavioral health care or behavioral uh, physical integration. But that's completely changed. Uh, there's so much innovation going on on those fronts. Uh, it's very exciting and an area where payers have really turned a corner and begun to partner with those types of companies and investors to advance the integration capabilities that they have. Definitely. Yeah. And on that note, I'd love to dive into a little bit more about what Centene specifically has been doing. Indira, what strategies has Centene employed that you have found to be the most effective in promoting integration? Sure. It, it's a great question. And we've made this a real focus at Centene to take a whole person perspective. Um, so not just treatment needs of our members, but you know, what are the barriers to care and looking at total cost of care versus behavioral health costs and medical costs. We're really looking at the total cost of care because we know that behavioral and medical conditions impact one another. And so we need to address them in a holistic way that's really going to yield the best outcomes for our members, both from a clinical and quality standpoint. So another strategy that we've been using is back to Brett's point about technology and a lot of the exciting developments there, we have platforms that we're able to use that both behavioral health providers and primary care providers can really use simultaneously so that they can engage in more holistic care, they can do collaborative care and more real-time treatment planning and consultation with each other to really address both sides of the issues, medical and behavioral. And then just tele-enabled care in general, um, using technology to have behavioral health providers be able to consult in primary care in real time. So those are just some of the strategies that we've been 
deploying. The only thing I might tack on to her comments is with respect to the tele-enabled care, what I think has been exciting is not just tele-enabled care for what we would think of as those general behavioral health services, but also highly specialized service needs such as tele-enabled care for eating disorders or substance Mm -hmm. treatment Mm -hmm. or school-based care for children and adolescents. So those to me have been very exciting uh, innovation opportunities. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's so much happening in this space. And we've, over the course of this conversation, kind of followed the trajectory of what are the issues? What are the current solutions that we have been able to find? And so now I'd like to look to the future. And Indira, what do you see as the next step towards solidifying integration for the industry and making sure that integration of behavioral health and physical health care is really the standard of care that we expect? Yeah, I think that really goes back to Brett's earlier point about education, the way that we train our providers, both our behavioral health providers and our medical providers, nurses, physicians. So really going back to graduate training and how do we teach students in an integrated model of disease, diagnosis, and treatment? So that really goes beyond just a multidisciplinary round, for example, Uh, It has to really permeate all aspects of the care delivery model so that when future providers graduate, they're actually already able and equipped to collaborate with one another in a meaningful way. The other thing we really need to factor in is the reality of the behavioral health care landscape, that primary care has really become the de facto behavioral health system. And, you know, 75 to 80 percent of all behavioral Healthcare is treated in primary care. So we need to be designing solutions around that 80% rather than only focusing on the 20% that's really specialty behavioral health care. So that's maybe where things like the collaborative care model have um, a real opportunity to make a difference. But the solutions have to be practical in nature, you know, to take into account how busy primary care providers are and how much of a shortage we're facing with behavioral health providers. Another thing that we need to address is stigma. So there still exists a significant stigma for people to actually access uh, mental health and substance use disorder treatment. We need to help consumers feel more comfortable seeking treatment and really help them navigate the behavioral health care system as well as educate them on how and where to seek treatment. And then finally, I'll say, you know, we were talking about that virtual consultation, you know, tele-enabled for behavioral health and primary care. I think being able to proliferate that will be essential to really help primary care providers have information in real time that can help them work with their patients directly. Again, I think Indira really summarized that well, and and I think her point is so important about where the majority of behavioral health treatment takes place, that quote of 80% occurring in the primary care office uh, should really drive us to how we design our solutions. 
Absolutely. And and something else that Indira mentioned and has been mentioned throughout for kind of obvious reasons is the role that telehealth plays in all of this, the role that technology plays in bridging the kind of the gap between physical and behavioral health care at times. Um, so, Brett, I was wondering, you know, while a lot of emphasis has been placed on using technological platforms to move integration forward, I've also heard payers are really emphasizing value-based care as well. And that's something that we haven't actually talked about yet in this conversation. And I was curious what role you see value-based care playing in motivating and moving forward this integration process? Well, it, it's a really important point you're raising. And uh, I think the good news is that it doesn't have to be an either-or technology or value-based care. I think it's really a both-and. Uh, and value-based care is, is really another wonderful tool in the toolbox. At Centene, we're very strong supporters of value-based care. We're developing innovative models to enhance the care that's delivered to our members through value-based arrangements. Value-based care has a pretty extensive history in physical health care, but the movement is much more recent in behavioral health. And it's important that we support our providers in navigating their way through the payment continuum in order to ensure their success. In other words, this is a new thing for our providers in behavioral health and helping them become acclimated to what value-based care is all about and equipping them for success is going to be key. Our goal in using value-based arrangements is to reduce the administrative burden on providers and really equip them with the tools designed to create visibility regarding patient progress, uh, regarding gaps that may need to be addressed, And we can do this by supporting and incentivizing patient screenings, uh, providing data on patient progress, uh, equipping ease of interaction with primary care. Uh, All of these things enable our providers to do what they do best, which is to provide best-in-class care. Thank you, definitely. And um, Indira, anything anything else to add to that on value-based care? Just that, you know, we we really try to tie um, things like HEDIS measures into value-based contracting. And I think there are a few HEDIS measures that cross over primary care and behavioral health. And that's a nice opportunity to do some sort of pay for performance incentivizing of, of those different provider types really working together in the best interest of the patient. Excellent. Thank you. Well, Thank you both for this conversation. Um, again, a very important topic, very pressing topic right now. And so um, it's, it's great to hear both of your perspectives on where we're going and where we are. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having us, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having us. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to us at podcasts at intelligentmedia.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at intelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Intelligent Healthcare Media production.